Welcome to episode 60 of the Permaculture Pimpcast, the only pimpcast on planet Earth where we discuss permaculture, preparedness, and practical living. How you doing, son? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good, man. This episode brought to you by Two Old Crows, actually Hickory Ridge Soap from TwoOldCrows.com. Turn that simp into a pimp. Bam! EMP Shield also, y'all. Don't forget about that. They got that EMP Shield Micro, 50 bucks off with promo code PERMA. Also, if you're needing a freeze dryer, harvest right, any of that stuff, we got it down. Well, it's going to be in the description box down below. Also, check us out on the Fountain app where you can tip a pimp. That's what I'm talking about, y'all. You can not only check out and listen to all your podcasts there, you also have the benefit of being able to offer tips if you would like or even leave comments. We're thankful for all of it. So right off the bat, y'all, this is going to sound weird, but it's not. The tip of the day is to talk to everybody you're able to talk to. Here's what I'm finding out. Okay, so I'm still out here in Arizona. The idea was for me to actually fly back today, but there, I, I got to get everything out of this I possibly can. And uh, so I'm going to stay until next week. Um, not really what any of us wanted to do, but it's necessary for a whole variety of reasons. But as everywhere I go, whether it's a laundromat or like, for example, just across the street at the grocery store, I see an old timer in there and this guy's got to be pushing 80. Um, I go up to him because he has a hat on. He's actually in line. I go up, I go up to him and I notice his hat and I could tell right then and there he had been to the Eisenhower Presidential Museum and Library in Abilene, Kansas. Well, we had been there as well. And in fact, William, if you recall, we had the best chicken fried yep. steak we ever had in our lives. Don't you remember that? Yeah, I was actually about to bring that up. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's the part I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't remember any of the stuff as a kid in the Eisenhower Presidential Museum and Library. But anyway, I go up to this old timer and I say, "Huh, see, so you've been to the Presidential Museum and Library." Well, come to find out. I mean, it's probably a five minute conversation as I'm having with him after both of us had checked out and really extraordinary guy, all the stuff he had done. Well, it turns out he lived in the same part of Kansas. We did knew all the same places hmm. and he's been living down here for quite some time now after he retired from the prison system up there working as uh, I don't know exactly, but he had worked at some capacity in some of the uh, corrective institutions up there. But here's the beauty about it is that all the stuff, because I'm a naturally inquisitive person, like so many of you out there, I'm trying to find out all the different things that are around this place. Well, check this out, son. As luck would have it, we have a, a uh, monastery out here in this desert, and you can literally see it from where I'm at. And supposedly, the all the folks in that monastery grow and produce all of their own food and I'm going to be able to get a tour of it on Saturday afternoon. So um, I'm pretty darn pleased about that, but this is what I'm getting at. I can't begin to tell you folks, and I'm not the guy in the past that would typically just go up and talk to anybody. Um, I make myself do it. 
And I'm finding out the more I do it, the easier it becomes. Even if it's to say, you know, you see something, maybe an article of clothing, or maybe they have something on their shirt that sticks out to you. Just taking that little bit of effort. And plus, this is exactly what the powers that shouldn't be want us to do. They want us to be isolated and not talk to one another and, and, and find out what makes each other tick. This guy was so, William, I'm telling you, I can't even begin to tell you how pleased. It was like, he was, you know, cool at first, but after he met me and having the conversations we had and hearing about his background, you could tell it just made his day that a younger person, I mean, he was that old, I mean, that a younger person <laughs> would have any interest in the things that he had done. And it was, and it was amazing. Five minutes. I wish I could have stayed longer, but I had to get going. So I was leaving the grocery store. So folks, take that time. I don't care who it is. I mean, what are they going to Get really used to hearing people being a jerk because that's going to happen sometimes if that's your motive for not saying hi to people or you're going to find those diamonds in the rough. And a lot of them I do find that when you go up and just show a natural um, curiosity about them, you find out extraordinary things, especially in places that you're unfamiliar with. Also, if you're worried about the rejection part, you'll you'll realize that that happens very it doesn't happen very often at all. Uh, most people, their first reaction is actually kind of polite and and nice. It is. It is. And ever since we moved to North Carolina, I have made myself go out of my way to talk to any living human being. In fact, you and your mom kind of make fun of me. And I'm like, okay, that's another development that I made in myself that I'm really pleased with because I wasn't, I, I didn't used to be that person. I never had a problem talking to folks. It was just, I would never go out of my way to do it. Now I'm finding out all these awesome things when I do that. All right, so there's your tip of the day. All right, we're going to move right into farm news. Now, folks, a, a little bit of housekeeping keeping here. Um, because of the transition from one place to another, I haven't had a chance to go through and prep a show like we normally would. So we're going to give you a condensed version, but it's still going to be good. And I think it's going to be information that I think you're going to be glad you have now. So... We're going to go into the farm news. And uh, so here I am, as I said a moment ago, I'm still out here in Stafford, Arizona, right at the base of Mount Graham. And, um, you know, it was today was extraordinary. Well, first of all, I worked my butt off today. There were 32 trusses we put up on top of this uh, earth ship. Um, you know, had to get them up there, anchor them in, get all that stuff squared away. And then by the end of the day, like every other task, you finally start working as a team right near the end of it. So we were really hammering them out, but man, I am absolutely worn out carrying those heavy trusses all the way over, walking them up there, sliding them over. Did, you, did was, he uh, have a reason for picking trusses over Vegas? Was it like a cost thing or what? Well, it was part of the, well, folks, what he's talking about, if you don't know, the trusses are basically the roof support. Okay. And the Vegas are basically logs that you could use for that roof support. Now, going back to your thing, son, the reason they, and I actually had a uh, conversation with Michael, me and the other people out here actually had a conversation, a uh, video call with Michael Reynolds today, a Q&A thing, and I'll hopefully get into some of what I asked him there and some of what he taught us because the guy is, he's extraordinary. He is an absolute genius in so many different ways. Um, I, I think he sees things a lot differently in other areas that, well, uh, you could call them shortcomings, I guess, but everybody has them. So um, 
yeah, we the reason he went with the trusses is because it's actually more and it's it's less expensive than using the Vegas. Huh. So that's part of it. And then also Michael Reynolds in the conversation we had now, folks that, if, that don't know, Michael Reynolds basically invented the Earthship. Okay, and hearing him being in this call with him and I was able to ask like three questions. Most nearly everybody there didn't really have much to say. A few of us did and we asked questions, but he actually covered some of that. And part of it was he realizes that the Earthship is cost prohibitive to most people, that he's got to find a way to cut the cost. So one of the things that he had come up with is the unity. I think that's what he called it. I think it was the unity design. Um, there's a new design that he just, I'm sorry. Encounter. Nah, it's not the encounter. I think okay. it's another one since then where they've been actually trying to find ways to whittle down the cost. Um, because that's, you know, it's not necessarily a, a more inexpensive, uh, home to build. And that is what he's trying to overcome. Now, one of the other things that he mentioned in there is that what they're trying to do is come up with these other earthship designs that use materials that are less expensive for a lot of people, depending on your area, having a giant log rolled on the top of your home is probably going to be pretty costly or, you know, trying to acquire them. And he described that all the materials today, um, I think he said like even from a year ago are double the price are right. absolutely double the price. And so they're trying every single way imaginable to cut costs on this. Now, son, before I even came here, you and I had talked about a number of ways in which because of where we live, getting vegas are almost certainly, you know, could you use telephone poles that weren't treated with creosote? Are those an option? Yeah. Um, there's so many different ways in which you could go about this. But the big news, at least for me today, was, you know, number one, I wore myself out pretty good doing this. But um, like I was telling William before we went live, you know, today I was given basically two job offers right here on this job. Um, one of them came from the homeowner himself asked if i would stay on and he would pay me and i just told him you know thank you so much for the offer but that's not a possibility and then i was also told that if i ever and this is from the foreman out there he's like if i ever participate in another earthship build that they would pay me so this is i know it goes in the topics that we've talked about before as far as making yourself a hand you know, there's a lot of people that show up to these things and, you know, they tell me start time is nine. Well, I'm going to be there on time. They tell me quitting time is 430. OK, I'm going to be there and I'm going to work until it's time to pick up. And it, it makes me feel good that, you know, when you realize that people understand and appreciate your work ethic, that, um, you know, things like that just kind of fall from the sky. So I was I was pretty I was pretty pleased with the son. Hey, I got a question about the Earthships. So right now I'm reading through Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he talks about, and he makes a pretty good argument that houses are not assets, that they're liabilities. If you build an Earthship, does that turn your house from a liability into an asset? Well, the way, I'm glad you're reading that book again, son, because one of the things, remember, in Kiyosaki's definition of it, and I would agree with him, is that... Um, if it puts money in your pocket, it's an asset. Well, a house doesn't put money in your pocket, but everybody thinks it's an asset. Well, in terms of an earthship, I think you make a profound point in that, think about it. You have no water bill. You have no power bill. 
um, you have no sewage disposal bill if that's a thing for you anywhere. If you built um, it yourself, you don't have like a, I mean, you didn't chance it. I mean, you may not have pulled out a loan for it either. Well, on this particular job, I was talking to Peter, the homeowner, and he was saying that they're basically draining their savings to build this thing. But also, after it's built, and this was made by the foreman out here, this comment was made by the foreman out here saying, look, hey, when it's built and you recover your money for it, then maybe you could, this com it's funny you bring that up because that conversation actually happened just literally 45 minutes ago um, between the owner and the foreman out there about that very thing. Like, yeah, you're spending a lot of money on the front end because, you know, you got to pay Earthship to come out. They're not just going to do it out of the kindness of their hearts. Right. And these trusses cost money. But you and I, we don't want to reveal this yet, folks, but William and I have devised really uh, so many different ways to build this thing way more inexpensively. And me sticking out another week here practically ensures me that I'm not going to have to go to the Earthship crew to have them come out to our house. Now, if they want to make that offer and come out, that would be wonderful. But me staying this extra time is practically assuring if i need anything then i can i'm pretty sure i'm going to have the access to call these people up and get guidance because i am making myself a hand man i'm going out of my way to make myself a hand and now you know i'm getting job offers so i think if i reach out to these folks or even if i pay for a consultation you know any questions that you and i have when the time comes i'm pretty sure i can get them answered so um yeah, but back to your central point regarding whether or not this thing is an asset or a liability, I think it's both. I really do because, you know, at the end of the day, you could now, he's planning on using this thing as an Airbnb. He is? Yeah. Man, if you spend all that time building an airship, you might want to live in it for a little bit. <laughs> well, he's, think, he's, he's kind of unsure about how they're going to go. But I didn't understand that myself is that they already have a house here. And I'm asking him, like, hey, you know, are you guys going to move in? What's the plan going to be? And no, the, the actual plan completely is to um, use it as an Airbnb. So just put it back into that, um, that asset column, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, then it's an asset. Then it's a rental property. Right, huh. because he's thinking, exactly. So, and then now, here's an, another additional thing is... Everywhere the Earthship crew goes in this town, people are talking about this thing. This is not a big town. I mean, they got a big Walmart and stuff like that, but um, there's really not much here, and it borders another town. But it is basically every – they're having an open house this Saturday at exactly the same time I'm going to be going over at the end of the day to go hit this monastery. And apparently a number of people – are just so jazzed up. I mean, people from the community are just showing up and every one of them are like, man, I can't even believe this. I want one of these. So it's creating buzz. It's the only earthship in these parts. And so, yeah, I guess you could look at it as a, as an asset. Huh. So I'm really digging that. So yeah, so we're putting up trusses and everything. And folks, now that this roof is on, I'm going to do a video, hopefully tomorrow talking about the water capturing portion of this whole thing i haven't discussed any of that because i did i wanted to wait until the roof was in some semblance of what you could see 
and then understand exactly, oh, okay, this is how the, now the one thing that they haven't planned for, and this is one of the questions I asked Michael Reynolds myself, son, was, okay, the inside of this home is the consummate definition of permaculture. But have you given any consideration about the outside and how that can, you know, go into the landscape? Well, his response told me that, well, he said he's going to South Africa. He's going to be there for two weeks and he's dealing with a permaculture group out there. And he's looking to see what options they're going to bring up. Also, he's like, and I'm going to go through there and I'm going to do a de facto design now that I've had a, you know, a fair amount of time on this project because I'm looking at the landscape and thinking, oh, good night. The mm -hmm. owner initially was telling me, well, the stuff that comes off the back of the house, um, I think I'll put a pond back here. Uh, <laughs> what what would you tell him, son? Not behind your, I mean, if it's where I'm thinking, that would be directly uphill of his house. Precisely. And you're dealing with a lot of sand out here. So design means everything. So on that portion of the property, I'm with you there. I would not be putting any ponds directly behind an earth ship. We're talking about a mound of earth. And that's where, and I, I said, um, yeah, I tried to be real careful about how I said it. I was like, um, well, I, I basically told him the same thing. I'm like, you're going to have water pulling in there and it's probably going to come up through your floors. So that's not the place to do it. But that's one of the videos I want to try to get done tomorrow um, and really get that put up on YouTube because I really want to come full circle with this and then hopefully really learn a whole lot from this monastery out there. Apparently these, to hear some of the folks talk about it, that it's like the consummate definition of permaculture at this monastery. So I'm really, really excited to be able to go there after work on Saturday. Saturday's like an optional day out here. So um, on these builds, I think last a lot Saturday of churches could take notes from those monasteries. There was a monastery, it was a uh, Hindu Krishna uh, monastery up by Earthship in uh, Taos, New Mexico. And every Sunday, I don't know if they have like uh, just a agrarian base like these monasteries or what, but every Sunday they would actually feed the community um, with stuff that they had grown. If if they could, if they couldn't, then they would purchase stuff and make make meals and whatnot. Well, I'm really excited because supposedly at this monastery they are a hundred percent self sufficient. That's exactly what I was told. And uh, got myself set up. Um, looks like they're going to take other folks out of here. The, the thing is, is that Saturday's like a um, optional work day. Yeah. Well, last Saturday, me and one other guy was the only ones that worked it. And um, so I'm going to go out here, put in some work, and then I'm going straight over to that monastery. And I'm going to see, I mean, they literally said this place is like the consummate definition of permaculture. I have got to see this, and I am really looking forward to it. So, Sam, what news you got back at the house? Um, completed my first week of 75 hard today. Um, How you feeling? Ah, man. So, the diet, I think the the most difficult part was actually the diet that I picked. And it's uh, it's like a like to build muscle. Um, so, I'm eating two and a half grams per body weight. Uh, and that is about 250 grams per day of protein, which is a lot of doggone food. I'm always full. I don't look at food the same anymore. Well, maybe you might want to drift on over to another diet soon. Um, yeah. But then again, we got freezers full of meat that we got to. Well, it, we between that on. and the milk and the eggs and I'm eating, man, <laughs> that's well, a full time job. Just eating. 
Well, maybe you might want to consider. We'll have a discussion about that off the record, but yeah, you might want to consider something else, son. There's some there's some really good options out there. Okay. Um, how's everything else going? Uh, mom's, on the farm? mom's working on her class still. Um, it's it's real muddy out, so like driving that side by side is a little. Uh, I'm trying not to put it on the pasture right now, just so we don't create any more mud. Um, it's just raining almost every night so far. And yeah, just keeping up with maintenance, chopping up wood, cutting down trees or not cutting down trees lately, just cutting them up lately. Um, that's, that's basically it. That's basically Yeah, your it. mom, she got on the phone with me the other day. She was ticked. She was like, it was a blue sky. They went up there, sprayed, and now it's raining nonstop. Yep. Yep. Wow. So, well, I'm glad everything, you know, I'm glad everything is going as it should. I know we're going to be out of a few products, probably bone sauce here before long, because um, I'm just not there to make it, y'all. And obviously, I can't make it in the rain. So we'll get caught up there. But I'm on an important mission right now, and we're going to keep bringing that stuff to you. All right. So we're about to, we're going to move into the next segment. But before that, we're going to move into the homesteading pastor. Check him out on YouTube. Check out his Instagram. Here it is. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You see, there's a lot of folks out there today that are rejoicing in the boastings of themselves, rejoicing in the boastings of the evilness that's going on in this world today. They know to do what's right, but they continue to choose to do what's wrong. There's one thing we need above everything else. It's something we don't talk about much these days, but we need a mighty avalanche of conviction. You see, it takes but one person, just one moment, with one conviction, to start a ripple effect of change. So therefore, my prayer today is that the convicting power of Almighty God will fall across this great land, drive people to their knees to repentance, and change the course of their life, which will ultimately change their final destination throughout all eternity well wonderful message there and i can't begin to tell you how timely that is every time pastor line gives a message i can always there's always in some way or another and it usually ain't hard to find there's always something or another i can definitely relate to and i'm witnessing a lot of well maybe i'll save that for another time but i'm witnessing a lot of what he's talking about yeah Boasting on things like that. All right, we're going to jump right into the topic. And like I said, we're not going to have a Q&A this time. We will the next time. Um, like I said, just didn't have, had to get my stuff packed, get out of there, get to a new place and the whole nine yards. So hopefully the echo in this place isn't awful. I'm at a, uh, basically moved from one place to another and um, it almost looks like a prison cell. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's another story altogether. It sounds right, like a construction jump. site. <laughs> well, outside, there's a bunch of old boys. Uh, it's at a hotel, so there's a bunch of old boys uh, with their construction trucks out here doing their thing. I can tell by the vehicles out here that they're all basically construction guys working from out of town. Um, all right, jump into the topic, y'all. This one I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And in fact, the next topic I want to talk about, it's also something that gives me a little bit of excitement we talked about it briefly once upon a time in the podcast and that essentially is farmers should take notes from mma fighters and decathletes so why would you why do you think i should why do you think i'm saying something like that 
Well, there's multiple people that you can learn like specialties from. Um, like, okay, so not everybody is Jeff Jeff Lawton, where they are a master at permaculture in every aspect of it. Um, okay, so like Joel Salatin, for example, he is awesome with running animals. I don't know what he knows about, you know, installing orchards or food forests or anything like that. So I wouldn't necessarily ask Joel Salatin, hey, how's my food forest looked? Because he might not have a basis of, uh, like, understanding of even what one is. But he's a wonderful person to learn how to graze uh, cattle from. Jeff Lott, I would say he's better than Jeff Lott in a grazing cattle. Here's a beautiful part about this. Here's why I'm making the comparison between MMA fighters and decathletes to homesteaders and permaculture designers. Okay, so as an MMA fighter, son, for those that don't know, it's mixed martial arts, okay? They have a coach for every discipline because basically in that fighting arena, arena, it's mixed martial arts. It's whatever you bring to the table. So you have a combination. Every MMA guy out there or gal these days, they're all, they got a boxing coach. They got a grappling coach they got a jujitsu coach they got a footwork coach they got another coach that works on uh endurance they got another one that works on diet breathing breathing yeah you got and then you got a, a multiple uh series of other coaches in terms of recovery you name it now with a decathlete think about it. a decathlon is 10 events if you want to look for the consummate athlete in the Olympics, I, I don't think there's anything better than a decathlon to tell you the most complete athlete because they have 10 disciplines. They're not perfect at any of them, but they are very, very competitive in all of them. And the same exact thing applies for a mixed martial artist because, and this is exactly how we look at all the things we do in our farm. Um, Right now, William, a moment ago, William was talking about Michelle taking this class. Well, it's a very intense class. It requires a lot. It requires a lot of study, a lot of test taking, a lot of whatever. And then you get, you know, it's going to require a certification at some point. Now, that's one thing. William going to Australia to learn under the best permaculture guru on planet Earth. That's another source of training. And then, you know, things I learned from people like Eric Sider, you know, who not only has the training from Jeff Lawton, but also has developed his own skills, you know, for my trees. Well, who do I take on that one? You could pick just one person if you like, but I don't. And we've talked about it before. So we've cut and pasted at least what we think are the best elements of orcharding from people like Stefan Subkoviak. Well, we overlay it with a, with a little bit of uh, Mark Shepard, um, the guy, Paul Gauchi. I mean, there's probably, when I add it all up, I bet there are 10 different influences from 10 different people in just that one discipline of orcharding. So we combine Mark Shepard's stun method, and then we combine that with Stefan Subkoviak's trio of trees. We add that also with the wood chips, that we get from the back to the Eden, back to Eden sort of thing. And we combine that with Elaine Ingham. So we've taken all these different elements and have created our version of mixed martial arts, I guess you could say, just in terms of orchards and um, 
food for us. Son, would you disagree with any of that? No, and I would say we also add in Sepp Holzer by putting all that on top of a hugel mound. <laughs> yeah, yes, and then also bone sauce. You know, all this stuff is, and then you know, you got. Um, you know, one straw revolution, uh, Fukuoka, you got his influence in there in every single bit of it. So think about it. We added, I could, from the top of my head, probably list 10 different people just in terms of trees. We even bring some Joel Salatin in there, um, depending on, you know, in the silvopasture area of things. And then we kick it on over. Okay. So when it comes to animals, okay. Hmm. Who are we going to learn from there? Well, right now I'm going through a course with Jim Garish. Um, it's an online course, but it's fantastic. Um, Joel Salatin, like William was saying a moment ago, take the right dog to take the right, pick the right coach for what it is they do. Now for orcharding, I'm not going to go to Joel Salatin. I'm going to go to the people I just talked about. But when it comes to animals and how they work together in a cohesive way in that food forest, how all of this synergistically works together, well, there's a whole lot of people there. I'm going to go strictly to Jeff Lawton. I'm going to also throw in a bunch of other people. Mark Shepard's also really great in that area. Um, and then as you do this work, remember, start. We've taught, we did a show on this, folks. Start with the recipe. Son, can you, from the top of your head, think of a person that insisted on creating his own recipe right off the bat yeah multiple times um and how did it it pan out every single time it failed because you don't know what you're doing yet like you haven't built a built a basis of understanding yet once you've done that then you can start tweaking recipes and and tweak it for what works best for you but until you've uh, built that basis of understanding don't tweak any recipes just follow the recipe as the people are teaching it Every single time, this particular person, no matter what it was, I don't care if it was an orchard, I don't care if it was making compost, I don't care if it was how we dealt with the animals, there was not one time, this guy in particular, he wanted to be famous, okay? And that's what he was wanting to do, was to come up with his own little method to be famous. And every single thing he put his hands on was a flipping disaster. So like William said, you know, um, like, okay, going right back to the MMA thing. Well, son, you're in Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now. I mean, they don't just start you off as a black belt. No. I mean, what no. do you, what do you start with the basics? You start with the very, very basics and then you move on to more advanced things, right? Yeah. I mean, kids, you start off with like, how do you fall properly? How do you fall without breaking your arm and stuff like that? Because that, if you don't know how to fall, then you don't know how to take someone down and you don't know how to get taken down. There's a lot of things that you can't do if you don't know the basic of just falling properly in jujitsu. It's the same thing when it comes to other disciplines also, y'all, like butchery. I've been very, very critical out there. I mean, maybe even too critical, some would say, regarding some of the stuff I see going on in the butcher's world. Let me get down to brass tacks of what I'm talking about here. Okay. Everybody, for some reason, it became in vogue. Everybody wants these highfalutin butchers to come out and show you how to make capicola, mortadella, prosciutto. Well, I'm a trained butcher. And I'm here to tell you, when you learn how to process animals, that is not first, second, third. It's not even the 10th thing you learn. First thing, son. Well, 
son, you learned from me. What do you, what's the first things you need to know in a discipline like that? Primals. And how to dispatch the animal, right? Yeah. How to gut skin, cut it into primals, dispatch the animal, which is the most important part. Because all this is just inhumane if the animal ain't dead. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, I mean, that that's where you start off. That's where you start. But some reason, for some reason, some way, somehow, the end thing was, I want to learn how to do prosciutto. I want to I learn how to do this and that. Look, like William said, you need to know the basics. You don't learn how to slam a basketball before you learn to dribble. But everybody out there, not everybody, but so many people want to learn how to make capicola. They want to learn how to do all these, you know, these higher end techniques. And you don't even know how to break this animal down into primals. So starting at the basics and also within that area, go out there. Okay. Some of you have learned from me. I have my own way of doing it. But then you also have other people out there who are going to do it a different way. And you're going to learn a little tip that you didn't know before that maybe I didn't teach you. But maybe some of these things, after you have a basic working knowledge of this, maybe go online. You might find somebody that has a more efficient way of doing it. I know I'm not the best at everything, but I'm very competent. And for example, take somebody like Ben Holler over at the Holler Homestead. It was pretty awesome to see his development in no time at all, where he may have picked up a tip or a trick from me, but he's learned from multiple people. And I am really excited to see what method he devises on his own. But guess what? He, me, and all the others out there got a basic knowledge from other people before you decide to twist off because you're like, or it may be a combination of techniques where you're thinking, okay, I got this from Billy. Well, I got this from Ben and I got this from a guy online. Oh, you know what? It's 10 times easier if I do it this way because something like butchery can be done so many different ways. Um, and you're just going to find out. But first of all, learn the basics in all of this stuff. And then you figure out how to do the more advanced things down the, down the aisle, you know, because right now at a homestead level, really, do you need to know how to make prosciutto right off the bat? No, you need to know how to get your cuts out of there. You know, you need to know how to grind that. You need to know how to make sausage and you need to know how to ba make bacon when we're talking about pigs in particular, learn those basics. And then you drive on, but learn from multiple people. So even within every single discipline, there is an entire cascade a constellation of so many people you can learn from. But remember, stick with the basics before you decide to go out there and come up with your own method. Son, is there any other aspect of all this you'd like to point out? Well, I would say apply that also to not just your like processing animals, but take that same mindset and apply it to your garden as well. Like if you've never grown a garden or if you've never grown a tomato or anything like that before, don't start off with like a half acre garden that's all companion planted or you did like three sisters and but, but you don't have any like background so you don't understand that you have to time it right you can't plant all three seeds at the same time <laughs> so now you Excellent have squash point. and nothing else so like the apply that to all things that are new to your homestead start off small stick with the recipe and then build from there that's an excellent point son and then think of how many different maybe just start off with maybe john jevin's book you know, get the basic and then, oh, OK, I, I feel like I know what I'm doing on this. Oh, now check out Elliot Coleman. OK, now I got that down. Maybe, you know what? Hmm. Everything starts at the soil. Maybe I want to check out the work of Fukuoka. Hmm. Everything starts at the soil. So why don't I check out the work of Dr. Elaine Ingham? You see, we have mo you, you look 
find a method, stick to it. Once you feel confident, move on. But one of the biggest problems we're running across, and I'm telling you, even, well, to a certain extent, maybe even on this job to, to a degree, I won't go into any details right now, but you got people from this earthship place that have built multiple buildings. Some of them were in carpentry long before they ever came to earthship. So they have this great background. And as a craftsman myself, I, I am a journeyman electrician. There's a lot of this stuff that translates right over to me that is easy for me to learn because guess what? I already have a background. I know when I put up conduit, it is plumb. It is level. I know how to work angles. I know how to bend conduit. I know how to do all these things. And I don't know carpentry per se, but I know it's cousin. So it is making the transition because I have that base and that background as an electrician to be able to more, more easily understand the concepts that are being presented out here. So that is a, that is of a, a, a profound value. So folks, we can't stress it enough. Just like a mixed martial artist, just like a decathlete, find multiple coaches. In fact, find more coaches, find so many coaches in your discipline and no matter the discipline, no matter if it's a garden, your animals, your chickens, whatever, there are multiple coaches out there. Just don't stick with one person's idea because I don't care how wonderful and how great they are. You know what? Jeff Lawton probably has some blind spots. Joel Salatin probably has some blind spots. Both guys I have the greatest respect for, but I guarantee they have blind spots. So make sure you get out there and um, make sure you get out there and get ready to um, – Put foot to button everything you do. Get those coaches. Make it the best you can. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for us today. So until next time, stay alert. Stay alive.